0: Hello, everyone. We wanted to take a quick moment to thank you all for joining us today. This podcast was recorded and is made available to you by Whitley Penn LLP and WP Wealth LLP solely for informational purposes. The information, views, and opinions expressed in this podcast are general in nature and are not intended to be construed as the provision of financial or investment advice by Whitley Pin or WP Wealth. The information discussed in this podcast is accurate as of the day it was recorded, but may then become outdated over time. Please feel free to contact us if you have any questions, comments, or concerns in regard to the content presented. Thank you again for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome back to Whitley Penn Talks. It's your host this week, Matt McGee. I'm joined today with Bill Weston, a manager on our WP Wealth team, and we're going to talk a little bit about debt. Um, all right, Bill, let's set the stage and kind of talk about, um, from a government perspective, what our government has been doing from a debt perspective.
1: Yeah, Matt. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, happy to be here, you know. Um, in Looking at different topics and subjects to uh, continue our podcast series, it it only seemed natural to have a discussion about debt um, as uh, we've been fielding questions from existing clients and investors for uh, years, ever since really the uh, financial crisis, have, have wondered about the sustainability of the national debt. And the continuance to uh, really just build upon that uh, over time, um, and so of course with with the pandemic, um, that's that's only grown exponentially. Uh, you know, I'm looking at what we've done so far and projections uh, for the rest of this year. Uh, it appears that just in 2020 alone, we'll be adding uh, four to uh, nearly four and a half trillion dollars worth of debt uh, to the balance sheet. And, you know, part of today, what we want to do is provide some perspective, you know, in, in, in thinking about the average individual, individual and investor, and they're typically only familiar with uh, things like uh, like a mortgage um, or a small business loan, lines yeah. of credit, credit card debt, things of that nature. So, um, uh, a goal of this is to uh, help provide that perspective and really try to get um, our listeners give them the ability to really try and wrap their heads around well, what is trillions of dollars of debt that, that just in itself saying that category. statement yeah 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 that's that's crazy um, so um and and to kind of help illustrate with that what we're going to do is we're going to post some some charts and graphs on our linkedin so um, that may be helpful for those are more visual learners so make sure you you head to our LinkedIn. It's at, at WP Wealth, and uh, I think I'll go ahead and, and post that myself as well on my page. Um, but in, in starting out, so to help provide that perspective, you need to have some sort of benchmark, um, and in that benchmark needs to provide some sort of level playing field, and. The best way to do that, or at least in given the, the data that we have today, is to look at debt relative uh, to production. And so the different charts that, that you'll see up there, we have uh, uh, national debt to GDP, we have household debt uh, to GDP, and then also corporate debt. Um, and you'll see a divergence um, in recent history from from the financial crisis, you know you have the uh, consistent application of accommodative monetary policies from the Federal Reserve. You have uh, quantitative easing, bond buying programs, um, and you have uh, lower interest rates. All really up until recent years, when we finally started to raise interest rates once again, held yeah, those. Yeah, then the pandemic pandemic happened, happened cut back down near zero. Um, so you've seen that or We've experienced that continual growth of, of the national debt since the financial crisis. On the other side of that, you'll you'll find that household debt uh, to productivity has actually declined. It seems that uh, through uh, maybe our just less frivolous borrowing practices have uh, have subsided some, and whether that be due to just those individuals feeling like they were hurt through the financial crisis or um, more stringent underwriting processes. Um, Likely a combination of the two. We've seen household debt get cleaned up quite a bit um, since the financial crisis. And then third, corporate debt, um, you'll see uh, has has continued to grow at a steady pace, although it's not even remotely close to um, the national debt or uh, household debt, um, it uh, still has steadily increased over time and so um, that gives us kind of a benchmark of relative to okay well well, is this a problem, this national debt that we have and we haven't seen levels of this, uh, of this debt since World War II. And I think in, again in looking at these charts it's important to understand the cyclical nature of, of the charts itself and the different components that that make up that ratio so it's through a recession or what we're going through today a pandemic um, we're going to have to have some sort of accommodative uh, policies in place to help get through these tough times and so it's natural that we're going to con- continue to accumulate greater levels of debt through that period so that's your that's your debt ratio portion of the ratio. But then you also have productivity. I mean, a lot of folks saw the recent report that most recent quarter, uh, the uh, GDP projections are down over 30%. And now I want to take a quick second um, to address that, just to make sure that that everybody understands that is a, an annualized number. So maybe a bit of a uh, That's thirty-three percent of one quarter's GDP. Correct. 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 And so, really looking at uh, what from a quarterly decline, we're more looking at eight nine percent, roughly. Um, so, still, it's not good. But again, just to
0: it's not thirty-three percent. Yes, that sounds 10. that sounds way worse. Yeah, that um, seems like the media yeah <laughs>
1: get more clicks. On, yeah, uh,
0: on, exactly on that story.
1: Um. So. Um, I guess getting back to the original point, is, is, this, is this bad, um, you know, it's, it's hard to say. I mean, we've been here before um, through World War II, um, and we recovered from that. Um, and, but again, I think the, the nature of this ratio in itself isn't perfect um, just because of the environment that we're in. And so although it, it seems scary... Um, uh, it's. I think it just comes back to: Are we borrowing for uh, productive activities, for innovative, um, uh, continuing to innovate within different industries? Are we allocating capital appropriately? Um, and at some point, we will have to tighten the belt. Um, but at least for um, to get us through this pandemic, we're going to have to be accommodative um, to help get through that
0: yeah and it sounds like they're working on a second round of stimulus Uh, a lot of people talk about the government budgeting from like getting their fiscal house in order and that's how a lot of people think of it because that's how they budget themselves same for corporations do governments really even need to run a balanced budget with their ability to print money you know
1: that's a good question Thinking of it in terms of, uh, okay, well, um, the recovery portion of this. So we're, we're going to have to run, uh, we're going to continue to accumulate some debt in the short term to help get through this. We just talked about that. But coming out of this, part of the accommodative monetary policies is keeping interest rates low. And in looking at the spread, I mean, you, you see a 10-year treasury, it's sitting right about 50 basis points, 60 basis points um, this week. And looking at, okay, well, relative to historical numbers on future GDP and also just projections in coming out of this recovery, um, nominal GDP is looking at roughly around 3.74%. So if you're just doing simple math on something of, again, productivity to what national what the Federal Reserve and the government can borrow at you're looking at the government being able to run deficits of three and a half three point two percent again and and that's all contingent on us being able to to meet those productivity numbers Um, but I don't think that's necessarily out of the question uh, especially in a recovery period Mm -hmm. Um, so part of these policies that are in place they they help not just the general public but they help the federal reserve and the government themselves finance debt and and at a lower rate making that that process a little less painful uh, especially in the early stages of the recovery. So yes to answer your question I think it's it, it maybe it would be better to run a balance uh, a balanced budget. No, I totally
0: need it especially but, given the situation.
1: Yes, and again at some point we're going to have to uh, there is going to be pain in, in, in uh, tightening up everything, but um, in the short term, I still it it, look, it appears that we still have the flexibility um, to get through this.
0: Yeah. All right. To shift gears a little bit, what does this mean from a capital market perspective?
1: So um, while we're on interest rates, let's just let's let's start there. Um, you know, it's highly rated shorter duration issues, um, it's at least in the short term, um, they're likely going to stay low and uh, will be low um, for, for a good period. Now, from the midterm to long term, uh, again, that, that goes into projections of what does this tightening cycle look like or when does that occur? Um, but I think it's going be to str- be a struggle to find yield in, in the higher credit quality and uh, a shorter duration portion of the curve and so um, what does that leave well you could you could look at uh, taking more credit risk you could you could uh, look at uh, longer duration but again that's that's additional risk Mm -hmm. Um, but we have seen credit spreads widen and typically when you see credit spreads spreads widen there is there tends to be opportunity um, but at the same token, from a default perspective, we're really just starting to see uh, that process unfold um, out there in the marketplace, and and so I would still be uh, weary of of the in particular the below investment grade um, segment of the market. Now, uh, from an equity perspective, uh, there's, uh, I believe there's absolutely um, still risk premiums to be captured. And I think a lot of that um, falls on uh, the different policies that are accommodative that are in place um, from the uh, Federal Reserve, uh, keeping interest rates low, and then also embarking on quantitative easing. We also have um, different uh, currency index swaps uh, that have been set up to help keep the flow of capital globally um, keeping that moving um, and we've talked about the actual supply chain but the actual currency and the pace and exchange of, of, of dollars uh, keeping that uh, flowing as well um, and you know the the federal reserve has has two official mandates it's to support full employment um, and to keep inflation in check and as of late there's or really since the financial crisis, there's kind of been an unofficial third band-aid uh, and that's to support asset prices. Uh, the old adage, don't fight the Fed. I mean, we've seen that uh, equities have had a very strong run since the financial crisis and a lot, uh, a lot of investors believe that that's largely due to the support and the accommodative policies that they had in place um, and we're, we're still in that position today. Um, So, again, uh, I I believe that there's a risk premium to be captured within equities, um, um, but it'll be interesting to see when that tightening cycle, how that that impacts um, that risk premium as well
0: yeah for somebody that might be in a 60-40 portfolio or even a 70-30 uh what are some things that investors can be doing to prepare their portfolio for kind of these very low interest rates for the foreseeable future uh, i've heard some people ask like should i even have these bonds which i think you should but i'd love to hear your perspective on them you know, I think it all really goes back to
1: if you're working with an advisor um, or you've already had yourself positioned uh, in, a, in a risk profile that made sense for, for your needs and your timeframes for liquidity, uh, it'd probably be good to just do a checkup just to make sure that that's still all in alignment. You know, mm-hmm. the pandemic has not only affected the allocation of portfolios, but it's affected a lot of people's uh, personal Lives, um, you know, some folks that that we've been working with um, have uh, have been uh, provided early retirement packages, and uh, with that comes, um, uh, I guess, an acceleration of their their pension benefits. And so, really understanding what sort of what things like that accelerated pension benefit can provide for you in the long term. Uh, and uh, mapping that out or coordinating that with your allocation and understanding what type of cash flow can be generated um, as I may not be having a paycheck anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, And so uh, I think really just uh, checking in uh, on your allocation, making sure that it makes sense for you um, because ultimately it comes down to um, uh, based on um, the opinion that uh, short-term interest rates um, and higher credit quality um, you're not going to be able to clip that coupon as easily as you were worked before what that really comes down to is encouraging the investor to take more risk and sometimes that doesn't make sense yeah. um, and so um, it's just checking in with uh, your own personal um, financial situation and, and making sure that it makes sense for you
0: yeah, it might be a good time to rebalance and relook at what those financial goals are.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Let's kind of wrap it up here with a couple of questions. What does this mean from your perspective going forward for investors? Uh, what they should plan for this fall? We've got an election coming up. We have more stimulus likely in the work later this month. Uh, another Million two people filed unemployment um, What are some what are some of your thoughts there? You know again, it, it's very individual and dependent on
1: uh, each uh, person's personal financial situation, but um, Maybe let's break that down somebody in the um, accumulation phase of life um, They are it still makes sense save as much as you can and um, the uh, it, it may be more prudent of them to take a look at the different tax styled accounts and, and where they're allocating dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's uh, there's uh, some potential for um, some significant tax increases and some changes to um, the current setup that we have. And so, questioning things like, does it make sense for me uh, to defer at the rate that I'm deferring? Um, and or does it make more sense for me to take advantage of some some after tax savings programs, um, things of that nature? So really the placement of those dollars. But ultimately, from a uh, from an actual investment perspective, uh, if you're in your thirties uh, and forties, unless you're retiring at fifty, you got you or got five. You got a runway to take risk. Yes. Um and, and so. And and that is a balance of of, of your personal risk appetite as well, but the the time frame that you have you you have the ability to take risk, and so, um, checking in on that, um, but also just just the placement uh, of your dollars, and maybe uh, being more thoughtful with uh, the type of accounts that you're you're putting those dollars into. Somebody that is uh, about to retire, we already kind of covered that uh, Mm -hmm. with just checking in on their portfolio, making sure that that lines up with their timeframes, but um, looking at things like their pension or or social security uh, for that matter, um, coordinating um, their withdrawal strategy uh, from their portfolios, um, from uh, looking at assets that through a period um, like like this that we've gone through where equities have, have taken a significant dive. Um, maybe there's portions of the portfolio that make sense to sell and supply your replacement of paycheck, um, but also mapping that out with the Social Security claiming strategy um, and understanding uh, your options there, getting serious about um, your true life expectancy. And That's not always the most fun thing to talk about. Um, but uh, you can you can help make thoughtful decisions uh, about your claiming strategy if you're if you're being transparent with that and honest with yourself. Um, and then same for those that are that are already retired and drawing on that. Very similar. Um, just just making sure that you're coordinating everything that you have um, and optimizing that. Um, uh, To make sure that you're still able to meet your needs not only today but in the future as well
0: awesome well I've got two uh, two questions to wrap up here Uh, thought it'd be interesting to hear your perspective on uh, mutual funds what is something investors might not think about when investing in mutual funds you know um, mutual funds and this may be a, a,
1: a a full we could dive into this deeper maybe in another podcast yeah, for sure um, but I think there's been a lot of buzz around ETFs mm-hmm. and ETFs aren't necessarily new um, but they're uh, becoming more and more prevalent uh, within the investment community and both accomplish um, relatively they, they accomplish the same goal. Yes. And they're a basket of different uh, securities that help provide diversification, just packaged and put together and traded a little differently than each other. And um, from, just to give a, a simple answer, mutual funds really do help with with managing emotions. You don't have the intraday trading um, that takes place. And through a period like the pandemic, when we saw a significant sell-off, what ETFs offer through the intraday trading is real-time uh, pricing of securities. And that's that's good, and can but, be it's, bad. but yeah. it's also scary and can be bad. I mean, you saw a number of different ETFs get close to zero. And in theory, if you're thinking about, well, what is the actual true asset value of that underlying ETF? Well, there's got to be at least some sort of inventory or infrastructure within those businesses mm-hmm. that they own that that still has value so yeah. it's maybe not necessarily accurate pricing that's taking place um, but again it can create some panic um, through um, some, some more extreme situations so for the most part they, they accomplish very similar uh, things and, and, and both have uh, continued to become more efficient uh, but um, from a simple answer I think that just from an emotional standpoint, it, it's a little bit more protective. Yeah, That's
0: trading just once a day. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, early in the podcast, you mentioned some charts and things like that when we were talking about government debt. Uh, where can people find us? Um, so you can find us at, at um, our website wpwealth.com.
1: Uh, we're also on LinkedIn and all different podcast outlets. Um, so look for us on any one of those any one of those sites. All right. Thanks, Bill. Thank you.